Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us to have another day of life, another day to learn, another day to grow. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, to our minds today as we study about uh, the topic of personal stewardship and, Lord, what it means to be a steward and how we can work to manage your money. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, let's make sure we're all... Got a locked door here. Today we're going to be talking about personal and organizational stewardship. Now, yesterday we took a look, we built a budget, and one of the very things we put at the top was what? Tithes and offerings. So we consider it important enough to put it at the top of our budget, so it's probably important enough that we spend some time actually talking about what it is, how it works, and where, you're, where does your money go when you give to, to, you know, to offerings? And we're going to take a look at where it especially goes in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay? So, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I've heard this part of this presentation before. It was presented by Aaron McNulty. How many of you know Aaron McNulty? He's actually the under-treasurer for the Michigan Conference. So, um, I had heard it and I'm like, you know what? I want to do one of our days on stewardship. Can I steal your slides? And he graciously gave them to me. So, I've adapted it a little bit. So when we get to some charts and things, I know that they're good because they came from the conference. So the numbers are good. I didn't have to invent it. Recap from yesterday, we talked about building an emergency fund, right? And we talked about putting how much into it? $1,000 cash to get us started. And when, what was the point of the emergency fund again? It was for any emergencies, right? It wasn't for the emergency Disney trip, right? It was, for that tr it was for when we have a problem, we can hit the emergency fund so we don't have to put more on the credit card when we're trying to get out of debt, right? We talked about paying off debt and prioritizing the debt to pay it off. What was that special term that we used? The debt? Snowball. snowball. The debt snowball. And what do we do with the debt snowball? We list our debts from smallest to largest. And interest rates didn't matter, right? We just want to get out of the debt. We talked about where our money goes, right? So we talked about that big fun B word, which is budgeting, which everybody loves so much. We built a budget together. We passed out a form. We made a budget for, for the, our pretend family that we were working on, and we found out that we could have an extra $190 a month, and we applied it towards our debt snowball to help get out of debt even faster, right? We talked about preparing the budget. We talked about the importance of saving three to six months of expenses in the emergency fund after we get out of debt. And why did we need three to six months of expenses? In case we lose our jobs, right? This stuff happens, right? Think about 2008, 2009. Do you remember what the employment, unemployment rate went up to in the United States? Over 10%. Over 10%. That was the published rate. <laughs> A lot of speculation that the, the true unemployment rate was well north of 30%. Meaning people that you could find work, but it wasn't really, you were underemployed too. Meaning you weren't making as much as you could make for the skill set that you actually had. Having a three to six months emergency fund helps alleviate some of those problems. So when you lose the job, you have something to fall back on. So you don't have to take the McDonald's job right away. You don't have to take something that comes up right away where you might not make as much. It affords you to be a little bit more picky with getting the new job. Okay? So today we're going to talk about stewardship. What is stewardship? What is it? It's one of those words with a lot of letters, so it's probably one of those $10 words, right? What is stewardship? Got some pictures up here. We've heard of stewardship of all different kinds, you know, being a good steward of this or that. What do you think it is? What? Service. Okay, let's just write some of these things down. 
Service. Management. Management. Anything else? Conservation. Conserving. What's that? Investing. Could be. Anything else? Well, what is it? I'll give you the definition. Here's the straight definition of what the word stewardship means. The conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful, responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Can you think of anything that's been entrusted to your care in the personal finance world? Everything you make, right? Everything you make. Why is stewardship important in personal finance? Why would it be important? Because it's God's money. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. We live in a culture where we think that everything we get is ours, right? The TV tells us that. The radio tells us that. Pamphlets tell us that. Other personal finance classes tell us that, right? So let's take a look and let's get into the Bible and let's see what we can find out about what personal stewardship is all about. So if you brought your Bible, I'll be reading from a Bible. We'll flip to text together, but if you didn't, that's okay. I have the text up on the screen too. But we're going to start in Psalms chapter 24. Psalms chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Does anybody volunteer to want to read? We're going to make this interactive. Yep, go ahead. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he's founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The earth is whose? The Lord's. And all its fullness, the world and all who dwell in it. So, is your car the Lord's? <laughs> You're like, quit asking uh, leading questions at 9.37, right? <laughs> Must be a really special car. <laughs> That's okay. Is your house the Lord's? Is your job the Lord's? Is your retirement account the Lord's? Bank account? Everything. The Bible says everything is the Lord's. Let's flip to Leviticus chapter 27. Moving backwards here a little bit in the Bible. Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 to 33. We have another volunteer out there? And all the time of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock of whatever <coughs> passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Leviticus 27, verses 30 and 33. What's that T word up there? Tithe. How many of us know what tithe is? It's okay to not to raise your hands if you don't. Tithe. What is the tithe? Anybody have an answer? It's a tenth of whatever your increase is, right? So, when the Bible was written, do you think it was a paycheck that was always a tithe? What was it? Sorry, I heard it. What? Increase in the herd, right? Wealth in Bible times was really measured by how much you had, right? How big your flocks were. And how did your flocks grow? 
they reproduced, right? So when they reproduced, you added to your wealth, right? And so what the Bible is saying is you'll take a tenth of that and that's what we'll give to the Lord. So in today's day and age, how does our wealth increase? We get a raise. We get a raise or what? What's that? Bonuses. Bonuses, yep. I'm thinking about that thing that happens every week or every two weeks. It's your paycheck, right? I know a lot of it's spoken for. You know, you get it and you're like, oh, it's got to get used for something. But did you have an increase of $1,000 in your paycheck when you got that paycheck? Yeah. Saw it go boom right into your bank account, right? Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Let's, let's flip to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Do you have another volunteer? Yes, go ahead. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed yeah. God? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed <coughs> even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Malachi 3, Will a man rob God? So we just talked about what the tithe is, right? And what are we reading here in Malachi? What would be considered robbing? Not returning the tithes and offering, right? You can see why when we built the budget yesterday, we put it right at the top, right? We don't want to rob God. Now, we talked about we definitely don't want to owe anything to the IRS, but do you want to owe anything to God? <laughs> no, way worse than the IRS, right? Way worse than the IRS. Yet you have robbed me. In what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. This is important. Does it say just tithes? What else does it say? And offerings. So it means that there's more required of us than just the 10%, right? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So here in, here in Malachi, we're actually getting a little bit of, we're seeing how the tithe system and the offering system collection process is supposed to work. Bring it all into the storehouse. How does that work in the Adventist church? Do you know? Yep. Where do they start first, though? Yeah. Where do you give your tithes and offerings at? You give it to the local church. And then the local church, your local church treasurer every month, turns around and they remit your tithe at the end of the month to the conference. Okay? So the local storehouse is where it starts and then it moves its way across. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's flip to Proverbs chapter 3. This is one of my most favorite Bible verses. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm sure many of us have heard these, these passages before. Anyone who like to read it? <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And all your words <laughs> Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow. Mm -hmm. Honor the Lord with your what? With your possessions, yeah, and with the first fruits of all your increase. That's your paycheck. Let's flip to First Chronicles. We'll keep moving here. A couple more verses I want to share with you. First Chronicles. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone has something they want to add, speak right up. This is Verse 9, this is important for us to understand. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So the first fruits of your increase is your tithes, which you have possessions. Mm -hmm. Just because you pay your tithes and offerings doesn't mean you have a right to spend your money on anything you want. Good point. You're supposed to honor, honor God with your possessions. Yeah. So you may want that new truck. But is that going to bring honor to God? You may want that extra home or that vacation to Europe, but is that going to honor God? So sometimes we, we think that our stewardship is done when we pay our 10% tithe and the 5% offering. Mm -hmm. It's not. We have to make sure all that we have is honoring God. So that means some of us may have to go back and do a, a, an accounting and say, ooh, you know what, I've got some things that that's not honoring God. Maybe it's the the stack of DVDs in the corner, maybe it's, you know, we need to all just do some soul searching to make sure that all of our possessions honor God. Yep. That nothing there has the fingerprints of Satan on it, yep. but it's something that God can really bless. So I just want to interject. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. All yeah, honoring the Lord with all of our possessions. Yes. Just a little story on this is that um, years ago we went to buy a truck for my husband. And yeah, I knew this was nice, but we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed on this and, and uh, decided to go with a brand new truck mm -hmm. that he got. This brand new, never driven before truck. And we prayed, you know. And before he knew it, can you hold a Pathfinder trailer with your truck? <laughs> and he was going all over the place with Pathfinders and stuff all in their trailer. So yeah. it's like some of those things, you know, you get and the object is to put it to use. Yeah. Yep, and I think that your story touches on exactly what Joel just mentioned, honoring the Lord with your possessions. If your answer would have been, no, that's going to be rough on the transmission hauling that heavy trailer around, and you decided not to do it. Yeah, I don't want to put the miles on it, you know, it's going to affect resale. What do you think would have happened? Yeah. It's just he, he got roped and didn't know what was right. Yeah. You know, I think we all have an example of something like that in our lives where we had something come into our lives, we really wanted it, um, and it came to us, but then we didn't do that, right? We didn't honor the Lord with it as our possession. And what usually happened to us when that happened? You wrecked it in a car accident, someone hits it in the parking lot, you lose it, you know what I mean? Lose your job, couldn't pay for it. Yeah, if we want the Lord's blessing in our life, we have to be willing to honor the Lord with our possessions, right? First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12 through 14. Anybody willing to read? Yeah. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. So riches and honor come from who? They come from God, right? I think a lot of us know a lot of these things already, but it's important that we always remember these things. You know, I, I'm guilty of this too. You know, you sit down and you'll write a, an offering check or a tithe check. And you're like, that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? 10% is a big number. Whether you make 5000 a year or 500000 a year, it's a big number to you, right? Everything's relative. And you're like, and then, you know, your coworker goes and they buy the new car. And you're like, 
wow, $500, that would be about my tithe payment. He doesn't tithe, you know, and then you get disgruntled, right? Well, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. But who does it, where does it all come from anyways? It comes from God, right? One of our uh, uh, a verse here that a lot of us have heard, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Somebody willing to read this one? Anybody? Want to read it? I bet you do. That's why I picked on you to read it. <laughs> the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. Yeah. So when you're contemplating going and going into debt for something, getting a payment on something, what does the Bible say? Borrower is slave to the lender. It's true, right? If you miss the payment in the payment book, what's going to happen? It might not be in the driveway after a couple months, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a look at the beginnings of the Adventist Church. I want to look into a few of the founders' writings, some of the thoughts that they had about stewardship. And of course, one of our, um, the most amount of counsel that we find will come from James and Ellen White, right? So, I'm going to try something different here. I have a, 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 like a video here. I'm going to see if I can do this right. I got it way over here now. Let's turn the volume on. Okay. See if we can see this. Can you see it okay? As long as no one falls asleep. Jacob's get-rich-quick schemes. Oh, yes. Helen, do you remember in the early days of our work all the speculation on get-rich-quick schemes? Many found themselves incurring inordinate amounts of debt, spending money they did not have for things they did not need. <coughs> if some new scheme came to their attention, they found a way to raise the means to invest whether they had the money or not. Oh, yes, dear. I remember those schemes. I saw that in some cases this led to disobedience to God's command to return what is rightfully his. Some have excused themselves from aiding the cause of God because they were in debt. Had they closely examined their own hearts, they would have discovered that selfishness was the true reason why they brought no free will offering to God. Some will always remain in debt because of their covetousness, the prospering hand of God will not be with them to bless their undertakings. They love this world better than they love the truth. They are not being fitted up and made ready for the kingdom of God. You're so right, dear. I'm so glad we've made this an item of special prayer between us. Yes, we should pray for unity and happiness in the home, and for wisdom to manage finances. It is important to live within our means in order to avoid bringing undue hardship upon our families. In order to do this, we must learn to curb our wants in order to avoid debt. Living extravagantly beyond our means makes it impossible to have peace of mind and fulfill our duty to honor God with our first fruits. Some have not participated in systematic benevolence because they were not free of debt, pleading that they must first owe no man anything. 
Some think that God can require nothing of them until all their debts are paid. This is a deception. God who said, Owe no man anything, said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Those who fail to do this fail to render to God the things that are his. Those who need God's help to get out of debt should honor God by rendering to God the things that are his. Those who are in debt should take the amount of their debt from that which remains from their possessions. They should ask God to help them curb their wants and live within their means. Financial problems should not be a source of concern for us, but God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he is more than capable of supplying us with all our needs. Now that does not mean that we should be loose with money, but rather to be faithful stewards of our resources, so that it will glorify God and help advance the work. Yes, I believe that it is best to be debt-free. You ought not to allow yourself to become financially embarrassed, for the fact that you are in debt weakens your faith and tends to discourage you. You need to cut down your expenses and to strive to supply this deficiency in your character. You can and should make determined efforts to bring under control your disposition to spend means beyond your income. It's a fairly basic concept, isn't it, dear? <coughs> spend less than what you make. That's right. Also bear in mind that you have taken the name of Christ when you call yourself a Christian. And the world is looking at you to determine what our Lord is like. Only as we are faithful in financial matters will others be drawn close to the Lord. God sees that we manage money carefully to help bring the work of bringing souls into his loving arms. And while you are shackled in the chains of financial debt, you cannot do that. Therefore, my counsel is, be determined to never incur another debt. Deny yourself a thousand things rather than run in debt. This has been the curse of your life, avoided as you would the smallpox. Yes, and furthermore, <coughs> we need to pray to our gracious Lord for wisdom in handling money and for a unified home. Oh, look, dear, here come the McAllisters now. Pause for discussion. <laughs> Perfect, right? What do you think? Powerful. The uh, couple things stand out at me at it. One thing is, well, these are obviously actors, right? All the, the, the lines that the Ellen White character was using are actually from her writings. Nothing was like invented here. That's kind of why I almost felt a little bumpy, but that's why, because they're straight from her writings. One of the quotes that stood out to me the most is that um, she said in the video is debt weakens your faith and tends to discourage you. It weakens your faith. That's pretty powerful, right? And that's actually in the Adventist Home, page 393, this book right here. They sell that at the ABC. You can get it for free on your uh, phone if you download the you know, E.G. White writings. Um, definitely very, very powerful. Any other thoughts from the video? Avoid debt like the smallpox, right? There's not a vaccine for debt, though, is there, nowadays? Deny yourself a thousand wants. You know, that's where it used to be, like when I was a kid, you wanted something, you saved up for it. Nowadays, you want something, you buy it. 
Yeah. And then you try to figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. <coughs> and that's all selfishness. Yep. Definitely. What do you what did you think about that concept of being out of not being out of debt first before you start helping the cause of God? The cause of God is what puts the axe to the root of selfishness. Yep. That's why tithes and offerings are so important. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned earlier how sometimes you think your mind goes in the idea of um, when you write the check for tithe because of how mm-hmm. much it is or how mm-hmm. much you make. But that multiplies in your yeah. And when you know that you've got bill collectors, then it makes it even more complicated. Presses on you even harder, right? Write that check. This check could help me get out of debt if I didn't write the tithe check, right? Those are thoughts. What did you think about the, the, the line that the world is looking at you to see how you're going to handle it as a, handle your finances as a Christian? More than just a Christian, as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. What do you think? I've been asked that question. Have you been asked that question? Where do you put your money? Yep. The world looks at you different when, you're, when you profess to be a Christian, right? Yeah. My mother, when we were young, all of her friends were nurses and doctors for medical families. And she, they, everybody at work would talk about their boat, their cottage, their vacations, and this and that. And my mom said, you know where my second house is? It's on the corner of Annan Division in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. And in front there's a sign that says the University of Seventh-day Adventist Church. <laughs> so it's true that they do. They would say, well, you make all this money, but how come you don't do all of these things? Mm-hmm. And one is academy. Yeah. And Christian education. Yeah. Two, it's tithes and offerings. Yeah. And then three, it's all the other things that you support, whether it be pathfinders or yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm self employed and I I'm in construction. <laughs> and when that boom hit a while a long time ago in two thousand nine, whatever, when that hit yeah. everything dropped way down. I went to my treasurer and I was asking him about how do I tithe with me being self employed and how do I tithe my money when it comes in. And uh, to be honest with everybody, I tied it right off the top. That's how I wow. felt. It felt like it was, even when the boom was down, Amen. I still tied it. And I'm stronger now than I ever was. I made it all the way through all that stuff, but I tied it everything that came in. Thank you for sharing that. That's, a, that's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. When we follow the Lord's guidance, He'll take care of us every time. Joel. Yeah, the, the thought is in many minds is that, well, I'm in debt. So I'm not going to pay my tithes and offerings, but what you forget is now you're in debt with God. Yeah. Because you're a steward, and when you read all the parables about stewardship, as Paul says, it, it, a steward is supposed to be faithful. Yeah. And so, yeah, you may pay off your visa, you may pay off your car or your home, but you're racking up a debt with God that may be almost impossible to pay. Yeah. Um, and there's a day of reckoning, and that's what yeah. I'd rather be right with God and in debt with someone else. Then. Yeah, absolutely. It's always better to be right with God than in debt with someone else. There was one last line from that little clip that I want to talk about. Debt as a curse of life. Does anybody have any relation to that by chance? Yes? I, I can show the opposite side. Okay. Like the opposite side of that is when bad things happen and you're not in debt, when you have savings, my husband literally took a crash last night on the flight. And I, did, I as his wife, I'm worried is it going to work? Is it? Is he going to have surgery? Is he going to have all these things? 
because you are yourself. And you're like, no, we are debt free. We have an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. We have always, through so many things over the last few years, always paid tithes. We've increased in our offering, but um, God has continued to push us in that area. Like, if you were to tell the secular world the percentage that you give, I think they would think that I would be crazy. Right? Oh, yeah. And so, the opposite side of that is when those things happen and when you have been debt free, and because you're faithful, you can get out of that moment a lot faster than worry that says, wait a minute, we've made good decisions, we follow God's counsel. Mm -hmm. And so, whatever happens here will be okay. And and, you know, they said it in the video too, right? Your needs will be met, right? Yep. Maybe not all your, all your wants, right. right? Which is a totally different discussion. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it, it's, it's just so important <coughs> because they go so hand in hand. Timing always needs to be first and offerings needs to be first. And you need to get out of debt as fast as you can if you are because you cannot outgive God. Mm -hmm. And that has been... When you don't think that you can get more, and you do, and then you see more blessings, and you're like, okay, right? So that when the kid asks yeah. for money for a trip or something, you can you can keep giving, and so that's where it's it goes so hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm done here. I mean, you guys are good. <laughs> go, yeah, go. I just want to encourage everyone to pray for her husband. Oh, thank oh you. yeah, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, absolutely. You one more thing? Yeah. You asked um, question that um, back in the day they used to save for something that you want, mm -hmm. and now we just buy it. Um, I think even the time that we used to save for something that we want, I think what you're getting at when you're talking about honoring the gods of your possessions, so even before you get to the decision of buying something that you want, that you've already evaluated, is this in God's plan for me to have? Because we do. We do want a lot of things. I want a lot of things. Oh, yeah. My husband is always talking to me about being materialistic. I want this, I want that. I go to the store and I want everything. And I always tell him, you don't give me credit for the things I don't buy. Right. That's the question that you have to ask yourself: Is this just a want, or is this a need? And sometimes you can't you can't have some things that you want; they fit both things. Yep. But we have, we do have to learn to deny ourselves and to find ways to um, turn those materialistic things into um, ways that we can use the Lord, yep. ways that we can help the Lord. Yep. Because even I like to garden, and I've spent I don't know how much money on gardening stuff this season, but. We have way too much in our garden. I know it's going to produce more than my little family and the family that's gardening with us can do. So I, I texted my friend yesterday and said, hey, we're going to have way too much stuff. How about we set up a stand and make that into our investment project? Oh, yeah. And she got really excited about it. And so you can turn some of your excess sometimes into... Into blessings. Yep, absolutely. I wonder if that's a female thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cover the uh, mic now. I, I yeah. My wife, when she, she does a lot, you guys know her, she does a lot of shopping, especially at Kohl's and stuff. And when she comes home, the first conversation is how much she saved. <laughs> yeah. How much she spent, how much she saved. You know, the percentages she got off in this and this, but it's always about what she saved. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, let's keep moving on here. Personal stewardship. I would like to talk a, a little bit about tithes and offerings, the system in the Adventist church, where it came from, too. Tithes and offerings, 
for God are an acknowledgement of his claim on us by creation, and they're also an acknowledgement of his claim by redemption. Because all our power is derived from Christ, these offerings are to flow from us to God. They're to keep ever before us the claim of redemption, the greatest of all claims, and the one that involves every other. The realization of the sacrifice made in our behalf is ever to be fresh in our minds and is ever to exert an influence on our thoughts and plans. Christ is indeed as one crucified among us. Testimonies, Volume 6. Very, very powerful. So, the church, of course, started out as a small movement. We didn't have, you know, these academies that we have now. We didn't have the facilities. We didn't have the infrastructure at one time. Testimonies to ministers. As our numbers increased, it was evident that without some form of organization, there would be great confusion, and the work would not be carried forward successfully. To provide for the support of the ministry, for the carrying the work in new fields, for protecting both the churches and the ministry from unworthy members, for holding church property, for the publication of the truth through the press, and for many other objects, organization was indispensable. And this is where we start with our tithe and offering concept. Okay? I have tithe envelopes right here. Have everyone have seen these before? Can I, can I pass a couple of them out? You want to help pass these out here? Joel's going to pass them out because I want to look at this with you. Because... Just because you know what's on there really well doesn't mean that maybe a new member coming into the church does. So anytime you can help somebody explain these things to people, it's very, very helpful. Okay. The current system that we're operating in, in the world now, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, was actually partially invented by J.N. Andrews. Okay. Systematic benevolence. Have you ever heard that term before? Systematic benevolence. Systematic benevolence, right? Well, he actually published this concept in 1879, and it's based on really two Bible texts. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. I don't actually have these ones on the screen, sorry. I'll read them for us, though. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. This is where we're going to learn about that concept of systematic. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may that there be no collections when I come. So what's he talking about? Storing up on what? First day of the week. Well, the first day of the week comes every week, right? So here we're learning that concept of systematic, okay? Setting aside weekly, being consistent. Bopping over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we'll learn about the benevolence concept. Make sure I'm in the right spot. 2 Corinthians 9, 5 through 7. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gifts beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? So benevolence, generous giving, cheerfully, not grudgingly. Systematic, weekly, whatever your time frame is, benevolence, generously. Pretty simple concept, right? So, 
Now you gotta bear with me. I have another video clip for us here. This one is from J.N. Andrews. Alright. Back in 1858, I conducted a Bible study in Battle Creek, the subject of which was systematic benevolence, which later became known as our tithing system. We were meeting here in the second meeting house, which was dedicated in 1857. The study led to the development of a new giving plan, which we called systematic benevolence. The two key texts that supported both the title and the plan of systematic benevolence were 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, which supported systematic giving, and 2 Corinthians 9, verses 5 through 7, which supported cheerful giving and a spirit of benevolence. When we developed our understanding of stewardship, we saw in systematic benevolence and tithes and offerings a way in which giving to God would work no hardship on anyone, where God's glory <coughs> could be financially supported all its ways, and where God's people could be blessed. Truth is, God is the owner of everything. We are his stewards. As we strive to be faithful, he has promised to provide. Later, in 1878, I was in America on a visit from Switzerland, hoping to help my daughter Mary recover her health. When I came to Battle Creek, I was asked to serve on a committee with James White, Uriah Smith, and several others. Our work resulted in the adoption of the tithing program as we now know it. Incidentally, while I was in Battle Creek, I was asked to preach the dedicatory sermon at the fourth meeting house, the Dime Tabernacle. Our findings were published in 1879 in a booklet entitled Systematic Benevolence, The Bible Plan for the Support of the Ministry, which was based on biblical teachings about tithe. When we published our findings, James White included extracts from Ellen, which the Lord had given her and she had written in her testimonies. I think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve weren't forbidden to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because it was harmful to them. Rather, as Ellen White says, it was a constant reminder of his ownership. Thus, he gave them the opportunity to demonstrate their trust and faith in him by their perfect obedience to his requirements. God promises to open the windows of heaven as a reward for our faithfulness. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and prove me now in this, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So, what do you think? I don't know actually about that, the 1879 publication. If it's available still or not. I'm sure it is. Um, I don't know though for sure. I know a lot of what is in it though, I think, is what we've just studied today too. Let's see if I can 
Transition over here. All right, cool. Did it. So, all right. So the Adventist church's structure today, right? Things have come a little ways in the last hundred years. Things have gotten bigger. They've become more efficient and even more effective. So we have our local church here at the bottom, right? Then we have our Michigan Conference. We have the Lake Union, the North American Division, and at the tippy top, we have the General Conference. Okay? That's pretty much the whole structure. I think that's actually pretty cool. There's only five layers right there, right? That helps the church to be very efficient, to move from local church, what's going on there, all the way up to the world church level. What are some of the purposes for what the tithe can be used for? You know, we all give tithe, but have we ever really always stopped to think, what is it getting used for even? You know, what does the conference do with all this money? Supports pastors, evangelists, ministers. So it pays the salaries. World missions. I'll, I'll just add about the, the salaries up here, you know. This is what allows the Adventist church to operate some very small congregational churches sometimes is because we're basically sharing some of the resources from larger churches across the entire state so that we're able to operate in smaller areas that we wouldn't be able to operate otherwise. <coughs> yeah? Just so you're aware of this, that uh, pastors receive the same base salary. So whether you're Dwight Nelson at PMC who has 3,000 plus members, yep. or you're up in Bessemer in the UP and you've got like 20, you receive the same salary. Now, the reason why that's nice is this. You don't take a call because you're going to get more money. How it is in other churches. Well, how aren't you going to pay me? And you're negotiating every year your salary. How many hundreds of thousands am I going to get? Well, that, in the Adventist church, it's not like that. So if you yeah. take a call to Florida or, or Wisconsin or wherever, the money is not the issue. It's, it's the call of God is the issue. And I really appreciate that about Yep. how this has been set up, and that's one more confirmation that I yep. yep, absolutely. World missions, soul-winning support personnel, Bible workers, conference, mission operating expenses, tithe help run, helps run the conference. Literature evangelists, subsidies for conference ministries, evangelistic and conference office equipment. We need tools, right? Bible teaching, support personnel in schools, retirement benefits for church employees. So the tithe allocation looks a lot like this. You give your tithe, suppose it's $100, okay? $100 on your tithe envelope. Everybody has one there? Are there any extras? Because now I passed out all of them and I don't have one for myself. <laughs> so tithe, right at the top. It's right at the top, right? Suppose you write down $100, that's what you're giving. 75% of it will stay right in Michigan. The, next the other 25% moves its way up. Helps support the Lake Union, helps support the North American Division, helps support the General Conference. Okay. The conference tithe allocation. This is Michigan. This is, what I, this is why I stole this presentation from Aaron McNulty, because I know the numbers are good. <laughs> Percentages-wise, Pastor salaries and benefits. So that $75 of our 100 that we left behind, right, stayed at Michigan, 34% of it is helping to pay for the pastor salaries and benefits. 25% pays for Adventist education, teachers. 
And they're 15% for various ministries, 16% for retirement, and a very small percent for actually administration. Pretty cool, right? That's where it goes. Local offerings. So if we move right on down our tithe envelope, what do we move down to next? It says local church, right? Good old combined budget. Being a church treasurer, it's kind of near and dear to my heart, you know? <laughs> it's always the number that uh, I'm dealing with. Always hoping that it's always in the black, never in the red, but you're always riding that line, you know? Combined church budget. Well, what does combined church budget pay for? Covers the cost to run the local church building, right? Tithe doesn't do that. You know, some of this stuff, I know a lot of us know this, but we have new members that come into our, into our congregations. They don't know this. So it's important that we can help um, disciple them with these things. If you ever see, an, my, one of my favorite things is when you have a new member or someone that's never been to the church before and they're sitting down next to you and they pull it out of the pew and they're looking at it and they open it up and they're like, whoa, <laughs> look at all these things I have to give to. That's your perfect opportunity to lean next to him and say, hey, can I explain this to you real quick? And do that. They'll appreciate it. Someone had to do it with us, right? Church expenses helps pay for the heat, the electric, helps pay for uh, uh, maybe you have a church secretary or other people on payroll, helps might help pay for the subsidy for your school if you have a church school attached, Pathfinders, Community Service Center, Adventures, Sabbath School, Personal Ministries. Your church budget could pay, for, combined budget could pay for a lot of things. That's why it's called combined budget. It combines all these different things. You might have a worthy student fund. Do any of your churches have a worthy student fund? You do what you do if you have, if you're trying to send kids up here to GLA or to your local school. Help send kids to school. It's not cheap. Might have a worthy camper fund if you want to help send kids that are worthy to Camp Asable. Might have a good Samaritan fund. I think it's called a benevolent fund. Every church kind of calls it just a little bit different. That's helping people out that are in need. I know in Lansing, what we'll do with the uh, Good Samaritan Fund is um, maybe we have somebody that's not a member, but we've been working with them, we've been witnessing to them. They can't make rent. This fund will help pay for their rent or it'll help pay for a utility bill in the winter so that they don't get shut off. Church board approved projects. This could be anything like Strong Tower Radio. It could be a special foreign mission. Uh, all sorts of things. just depends. So the Michigan Conference Ministries, what do we have going on here? Well, we're moving down the envelope. Now we're down to Michigan Conference. We have support of workers and churches and schools, public evangelism. Some of these things, this is what's covered by MAP, Michigan Advanced Partners. Emmanuel Institute, Secular Campus Ministries, Campus Sable, Camp Segola, Camp Meeting, Children's Ministries, Family Life Ministries, Personal Ministries. <coughs> Look, I had to have a second slide because the Michigan Conference is so active, right? Hispanic Ministries, Youth Ministries, Great Lakes Adventist Academy, Literature Ministries, Health and Temperance, Communications, Community Services, Trust Services. I bet Joel knows something about that. Women's ministries, men's ministries. That's a long list, isn't it? So under Michigan Conference, MAP can help with a lot of that. Helps with our schools. The Good News Farm, take a tour. They're doing them today, I think. 8.30 and 2. Oh, never mind. I'm, 
I'm lying to everybody. Just look across the street, I guess, the best you can do. Campground development, that, that's the campground here. Camp Asabel development. How many of you have ever been to Camp Asabel? It's beautiful, right? Offerings take care of that. What about the General Conference? How many of you have ever, ever been out to the General Conference before? Been out to the General Conference? It's a big building, right? Any of you that have ever been there? I remember the first time I went out to the General Conference, I was like, this place is enormous. <laughs> but that's because the church is at work in the world, and there's a lot to run. The General Conference houses everything from Treasury to the President's office. The Hope Channel is headquartered right there. There's a little annex on there. All the Ellen White writings, originals, are in the basement in like a bank vault that you can go and see. If you've never been there and you're going to be out to Washington, D.C., take time to stop. You can actually take the subway from downtown D.C. The last stop is Silver Spring, Maryland. You can get off and take a cab the rest of the way. It's really worth your time. Really worth your time. It's really cool to see what the church is doing. But the, So the World Church does receive a portion of the tithe, moves on up, You're right from you and me, moves its way right on up. It receives the World Mission offerings, and it also receives the World Budget offering. Let's take a look at those real quick. The World Mission offering. Totally took this straight off the General Conference's website. I couldn't say it any better myself. The church is united by its call to support mission, but few of us know exactly what the mission offering does. Can you relate to that sometimes? I had to go get the quotes so that I could do it right, and I'm a church treasurer. <laughs> where it comes from or where it goes. Our offerings support frontline evangelism in unentered countries as well as in teeming cities. They help build and sustain schools, establish churches, and help produce literature for distribution in hundreds of languages. In short, our mission offerings do everything our tithes can't do. In addition, the 13th Sabbath offering allows us to give to specific <coughs> projects that grow the church in tangible ways. How many of your churches do Mission Spotlight? You got a little video that they play? That's part of world mission. Yeah. I just want to thank everybody here in Michigan. We're from Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Mission field. Yeah. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we're going to do an evangelism series and just pray for it because, I mean, it's really needed there. Yeah, yeah. And these are... Yeah, and you know, World Mission is really cool. So I was out at the GC, we were doing the audit report with them, and we had all the um, World Division presidents were in town. So this is, this is who we're presenting to, right? <laughs> Definitely a big crowd, the auditorium's full, and you know what the, the, the big topic that they're talking about is the next World Mission project that they can work on. And it was in, at this particular meeting, it was about reaching people in inner cities, Rio de Janeiro, I mean, huge cities in the world. And that's what makes the church so cool is because it's not just in the U.S. We're reaching huge cities all across the world. And so world mission offerings, they go for that. Your Sabbath school, when you give to Sabbath school missions, this is where it's going. World budget, a little bit different. It's another line on here. But look, it does support missions largely. The vast majority of it does. 13th Sabbath, annual sacrifice, ADRA, mission appeals, Adventist World Radio, Christian Record Services, Oakwood, Andrews, Loma Linda, Adventist Television, Voice of Prophecy, Community Services, Multilingual Ministries, Chaplaincy Ministries, all sorts of things. So when we give the world budget, these are the things that we're helping to support. So sometimes we look at these and we think, oh, I don't, I'm not giving to, you know, Loma Linda, I really would like to, or, you know. If you're giving to world budget, you're helping those, those places too, okay? 
So we have the division, the conference, and the local offerings, the North American division and the Lake Union. Um, Division-wide evangelism offerings, those are taken up twice a year. So you'll hear those in the offering calls. They receive a portion of the tithe. The Michigan Conference, they get their special offering through MAP, which is the fourth Sabbath of every month, and that helps support the farm, GLA, Camp Asable. And then the local church, which has their church budget, which is the first and third Sabbath of every month. Okay? Yeah? And on um, slide before this? Yeah. And the biggest that expenditure is the Sabbath School Mission? Sabbath School Mission. Now, a lot of your world budget offering is actually going to missions. So that, you know, the Sabbath school missions where they're, you know, this is the quarter we're helping do this or that. That's what they're giving to. So when you put like a 1%, like it mentions there, uh-huh. in a world budget, most of that is going to missions. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so that's not just going to pay Ted Wilson's stuff. Yeah. And, and I knew that the Sabbath school offering went to missions, and so it kind of confused me when there was an expenditure on there, and it kind of... The Sabbath school missions Right. Yeah, the Sabbath school missions is the straight missions. World budget will get spread out, you know, various percentages to across okay. the board. The missions that actually are supported by the Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, when you get your Sabbath school missions, that goes all directly to missions. World budget, what is that, 57%? Yeah. Of that goes to missions as well. Yeah. Okay. More than half of that also goes. Yeah. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah. And to clarify, I don't know if we're talking about the loose offering. Uh, talking about when you're talking about those Sabbaths. Right here. Sorry. Yep. Right, right here. These are the, these are the loose offerings. Yep. So these are the ones where we're passing around the plate. Every first and third is staying at the local church. Fourth is going to map, and we have the unique one as well. Yep. So if you are wanting specifically to give on the first Sabbath to map instead of budget, you have to mark that in your envelope. You just write maps. Yep. If, you, if you put it in the envelope, that's where it goes. If it's a loose offering, and that's where our new people, we need to educate our, our, our new converts that, you know, because some of them think, well, I'm just throwing my tithe in there. Well, if you throw your tithe in on the first Sabbath, it's going to combine budget, not come, yep. unless you mark it. Yep. So we have this education is so important. Yep. Absolutely. Good questions. You're okay. And, and that's where... I, it's very important that I, I, I appreciate that we do this in the mm-hmm. conference, but that systematic giving is when you're writing your tithe check, is because I don't do any of that, right? Like I'm just allocated to those areas uh-huh. when I get paid. Yeah. Yep. Which is, yeah. Which is the idea, I think, of the systematic yeah. giving. Doing, and, and that's what I appreciate about the Adventist Church so much, is its percentages, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I like that idea that I give a percentage to combine budget to my church, not mm-hmm. a dollar amount, yep. so that if God blesses us and we make more in our home, yep. there's more money in that yep. line yep. item. Yep. So. That, that's a good question, too. The, there are um, recommended percentages on here, MAP 1%, World Budget 5%, TIE that actually says 10%. Um, yeah, that's what they're on here for. Some people always ask me these numbers on the far right. You ever wonder what those numbers on the far right are about? That's not a recommended dollar amount. <laughs> those are just accounting codes <laughs> so that the church treasurer can quickly key something in without having to type in world budget every time you give something. <laughs> so instead, you can just, when I'm keying it in, 81.2, real quick, doink, it's in, I can type the dollar amount. Yeah? So with that, I guess I'm kind of confused because 
know, I get my donations in, in the mail all the time for Adra and Maranatha, uh, 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 World uh, Radio and all, and you get that, but you're, you get that individually, but you're telling me you also give it to the church. Some of them, yep, yep. So the seventh, it's very important to understand that the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church as an institution by itself does not run a lot of the ministries that we support, okay? So it is written, is not technically falling under the umbrella of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's a Seventh-day Adventist ministry, okay? So if you give to it is written, you're giving directly and you're supporting a, a Seventh-day Adventist well, mission. Well, that's what I thought, that I'm individually supporting. And then the church is also helping these places. Yeah. Helps, yeah. And how did they determine that that this one isn't going to be helped, but this one is? That's that's the, the job of our world leaders, is to figure out which one's which not, and how much percentage, and that's what the World Treasury is doing for us. Yeah. So what happens to the loose offering on the second Sabbath? Did I not put it up there? Yeah, I think it, I probably didn't put it up here. I think it's it is it's world budgets though. And then when you get that fifth Sabbath, usually it's for something unique or, you know, Michigan has something special running or it's a you know. NAD, NAD evangelism or something like that. Usually it's for those higher up type bigger projects. That, that piece that you know Jesus says go into all the world, preach the good news. Mm -hmm. This, in reality, is quite different than most churches. Oh, definitely. I mean, yep. as far as reaching what he's asked us to do, this right. is the perfect way to be able to do that worldwide. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, that's that's really how these envelopes are, are broken up. You know, you have your tithe, which most of it stays local. A lot of it does move on, though. Then we have what we do locally. Then we have what Michigan does as a state. And then we have the mission of the worldwide church at the bottom. That's how it flows. Question about tithe. Sure. It's all very helpful because as you help mentor or disciple new members. Mm -hmm. And so and you don't think about the stuff when you're not a new member sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, right? Because you're so experienced. Mm -hmm. So the question about the net versus the gross as far as tithe goes, I'm not sure I know how to explain that because in the Bible it just says your increase, it doesn't say your income. Mm -hmm. And if you were dealing in cows and sheep, that's very cut and dry, you know, but you didn't have the whole taxes and all that kind of stuff the same way that they do now. So mm -hmm. how do I explain that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Can I explain how it was for me? What, what, it, what I did as self-employed, I know exactly when in my I know exactly when went in my checking account every week, and I had a bunch of deductions. I got employees, I got expenses, and all that stuff. It comes with a personal relationship that you have with God, how I look at it, and. When that the total amount went into my checking account before all I paid my guys, before all my expenses, I wouldn't be able to pay all my guys. I wouldn't be able to pay for all my expenses if God didn't give me this. So for me having this, it came right off the top of that before I paid anybody. And every time that I did that, it, I always had the money to pay my guys and pay my expenses every single week. So you tithe on gross income. Yep. You would tithe on gross income. And... Um, I'll go out there, I'll go on the record, and I'll say that um, personally, I tithe on gross income as well. That's, that's the top number, yeah. I do too, and the reason is this. Um, your taxes, you may think is a tax, but you're actually paying for services that will be rendered, whether it be for the military or social security. Those are the things that you are paying for, 
So it's just like paying for your, your electric bill. Yeah. So I believe that it is offset gross. What what you come, bring your paycheck in, yeah. you don't say, well, this is what I actually got. No, this is what you were paid for. It's what you actually made. When you're paying taxes, you are paying for services. We may not think of it that way, but that's the reality of it. And so um, I would say you need to be paying off that gross and not Yep. Yep, I would I would agree with that. I would look at it just to satisfy my own yeah feeling in life, man. I mean, you just take it off the top. You don't have, you don't have to worry about it, right? You know, yeah, do it that way. yeah, exactly. Good point. Yeah. And didn't Jesus also say when uh, Caesar was Caesar, somebody yeah. God was God? Yep. yep. Caesar didn't give me the gross. God did. Yep. Caesar just didn't have the IRS and uh, the way to electronically take it before you ever saw it, right? <laughs> But it's the same concept. It just is operating a little differently than it did in Bible times. Final thoughts. Matthew chapter 6. I have a couple final things that we want to talk about here. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we've talked already in this uh, class about different things about money, emergency funds, budgeting. And we've also talked about, and tomorrow we're going to be talking about investments. But I'm going to tell you the best investment we can make is where? Heaven. All the rest of it's going to burn. So today, final thoughts. We talked about that understanding God as the source of income is a critical foundation to a good financial plan. That's why I put it right on Wednesday, right in our Wednesday session. We've talked a little bit about some technicals. We're going to talk about more technicals tomorrow and Friday. But right in the middle of all this is where I thought it was the most important that we talk about God and our role as stewards of the resources we have. Knowing our role as stewards with God is resources is vital. Understanding how tithes and offerings are collected and used is also part of wise stewardship. Just writing a check, it's pretty good, but it's also important we know where it's going, right? And living a life of financial stewardship draws us near to God and provides happiness in life. Would you agree with that? That is it. That is the end today. Um, we actually actually ended up just a couple minutes, about nine minutes early today, so that's good. We can take some questions. If anybody has questions, any questions? Yes. Really question. I just want to comment. Um, it is important that we give this information that um, many people plan to teachers, but you know, I was born and raised at Venice, mm -hmm. and I didn't know or understand a lot of this stuff until probably ten years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you may have been raised in the church and been in the church. But it doesn't mean that you necessarily understand, yeah. you know, the giving process, where your money goes to. Um, I just don't think we talk about it enough, mm -hmm. and, and not in a way of like trying to force people to give stronger on them, but just help people understand mm -hmm. um, what this money goes to on a regular basis. This is the first time I've seen some of this stuff ever. Oh wow! Forty-three years old. Mm -hmm. Praise you know, the Lord. Born and raised in the church, so. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for us to just talk about this more, mm -hmm. um, so people are just yeah, absolutely. Which brings up the point: Why are we so uncomfortable talking about money in the church? <laughs> Thoughts? What's that? I just talked about that the most. Yeah, 
That's a great point. Yeah. Of, all, of all the things Jesus talked about, he talked about money the most. Let me ask you a question from the stewardship director. How many times in the last, say, six months has your pastor preached on stewardship? Anybody? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, and maybe that's why I'm stewardship director, because I always preached on it. Mm-hmm. Because stewardship, without faithful stewardship, you're not going to the kingdom. You're not. You can profess a belief in Jesus all you want. But Ellen White says that this plan is given to us to root out selfishness. God doesn't need the money. Right. What he wants is our hearts. Yep. And he knows that we all have this, this disastrous relationship with money. And he says, if you do this, selfishness will be cut at the root. And then you'll be able to really be mine. So that's why it's here. But I, I know what you're saying. And I don't know why. I don't know why preachers don't preach on it. Um, I don't know why they don't visit their members about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you really are, in my estimation, if you really want your people to grow in grace, they need to have these principles applied in their lives of stewardship. Yep. So you now have permission from yourself, uh, from me, from Joel, definitely, to go ahead and go back and put the pressure on your pastor to say something. And tell, yeah. It is a, it, it isn't a, it's a salvation yep. issue. Yep. It really is. And they can preach it other than just at Christmas time and after the New Year, too. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, an interesting um, sidebar on this is that uh, we had a woman in our church, and she's trying to get her husband to come to church with her, and he's an Adventist. Well, he came and for a while, and, and um, you know people were nice to him, and he, and he agreed with that. Everything was great. But every time I'm there, they keep talking about money, money, money. It's like, and I and I get, but they never preach about money. You know, <laughs> stewardship, yes. Money, no. So I thought, where are we getting this? You know, but mm-hmm. it offended him. And I think sometimes that's why preachers shy away from it. They're afraid of offending somebody. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about too is that sometimes it's because I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I think sometimes even the pastor doesn't know all the details. Yeah. They're people. Yeah. Sometimes they don't know everything either. And so um, I know my husband in particular, when he started you know, pastoring in his own church, he went to the treasurer at, at the conference office and said, hey, I need you to help me figure this, this, and this out because I don't know how it works so I can teach my members. So, you know, be kind to your pastors. <laughs> you know, understand that, you know, understand that they, you know, pastors do, are their people. They don't want to offend people. They don't want people to hate them and not like what they said and all of that kind of stuff. So encourage them. Hey, we want to know about this. Talk to people in your church and say, hey, do you guys know this stuff? And then speak to your pastor and say, hey, could we have a seminar on this or have somebody come? Because yeah. those pastors... Well, I wasn't raised in struggle with yeah. and I know what it's like to go to a church where they really do preach money all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to round up all the pastors and go through a stewardship session together or something, right? Let's educate, yeah. Go ahead. Just a brief, brief testimony. When I, came, when I came into the church, uh, I came from a Catholic family, and pretty much there, they just kind of gave what it felt like giving, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was more on that because of being more nominal mm-hmm. than anything else. Uh, but coming into the church, you know, and I taught me about tithe. And so I, start, I started out, I was giving tithe on the net. 
And but you know, like walking with God along the way, he turns your perspective and says, "Now it's got to be a little bit, look a little bit this way." Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, he changed that in my life, and and but that was a growing experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's something we need to be careful with. Because it really is a matter of the heart. Yep. It's You're not right. about the money. It's You're about right. the heart. Right? Yep. And um, uh, it's just it's just something that I just throw out as, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's got to come from conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't, can't force it on anybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to add, I, I mean, of course I do think pastors have a role in this and, and church leadership, but just lay folks sitting in the pews you know we are the ones it is really like as i'm sitting with you know my friends who go to church and i've I've had these conversations with some of my friends who maybe they for their offering they have a conversation that i can only give this much this is all that i can give and how are you able to do this and i said you just you know i give a testimony and then that helps to inspire them and then they you know then they start to do it and then they have a testimony to share with the, the person sitting next to them and so it's through our testimony it's not necessarily through the sermon, although conviction yeah. will come through that. Right. It's through our testimonies and, and right. sharing, you know, like like our, our service seat tonight, sharing our story mm-hmm. that people can be changed. Yep, absolutely. Don't don't ever feel uh, scared to uh, share your testimony. If you're connected with God, if you got a good relationship with Him, because even with like I was saying before, I, I I went to people to find out how I pay. I was asking people in the church. And I was asking all the day, so you pay on that after your expenses, then what you got left, you pay on this. And I went to my treasurer, and basically my treasurer looked at me and says, it's your relationship with Christ. He'll, yep. he'll let you know, you'll feel what you want to pay. And I, and I felt like I needed to pay off the gross. I mean, I yep. just felt like it. I just couldn't yep. feel it. It's your relationship with what you have. I mean, it'll come, like he said, he was paying just, you know, after his nap. And as yep. he got to his relationship with God, and you got closer, and you start feeling it, you start studying, you start realizing Yep, he said more at that point. You take your time and then you pray over your own. Okay, well, we are all out of time. I think we have like maybe 60 seconds left. So if you have questions at the end or something like that, feel free to stop by if you want to chat. Um, otherwise, let's go ahead and let's wrap it up with a word of prayer. And uh, you can go on to camp meeting and um, good lunches and everything else. So, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for this day. Lord, we thank you for the system that you have given to us for tithes and offerings. Lord, it's not something that we've created by man, but Lord, it's truly been given to us from you. And we read about it in your word. Lord, I ask that we would be good stewards of the resources we have. But Lord, I also pray that you'd help us to be good stewards of the information that we know and so that we can share that with others that need to know as well. Lord, help us not to be afraid to share. Help us not to um, be nervous to lean over and help the new person in the pew next to us. Lord, help us to um, truly be different, to be unique in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, Or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.